This is Money, Motivation, and Mike, and I am your host, Michael Wainwright. In charge of all the controls is audio engineer Jason Wright. And hello to you, world. This is the show that will change your life. You can contact us at info at mx3.vip and find all of our content at mx3.vip or on YouTube at youtube.com slash at mx 3 podcasts. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the icon bell to get notified of all of our content, which comes out every Monday morning around 9 o'clock. Now, something I have been promising the folks now going on a good month plus, maybe even a month and a half, Jason, with the with the uh, World Series champion uh, Texas Rangers getting in the way, mm-hmm. is getting on to these 1990s. You know, we covered the 60s, we covered the 70s, we covered the 80s. It is football season still. We're getting into the 90s. And as I prepped for this particular show, um, I have a lot of information on the 1990 Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you know, when I was in the 70s, when as I was a kid growing up, you know, maybe you don't remember all those things. Maybe you don't uh, have attention to the details. But the 1990s Cowboys were basically getting prepared when I was in college, and then they were getting ready to go unload on the world uh, as I was coming out of college and getting into my profession. So I know a whole lot about the 1990s Cowboys, and we're going to start sc- discussing all that here momentarily. But over the last over the last 28 days, Jason, our subscribers continue to grow. They're up 68%. And our watch time over the last 28 days is up 169.8%. Thank you for all that. Now, what about our seven-day? You know, our, as I've said on the show, as our numbers continue to grow, then we will use more percentages than we will otherwise. And I believe our subscribers are up like 10% over the last seven days, continuing to grow. Uh, we continue up 10%, continue to appreciate all of the audience, the listening and viewing audience. So today, 1990s Cowboys, uh, as as we stand right now. Now, I have already figured out that this is going to be a couple episodes. I know I tried to cover decades in the past in one episode. And I think what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about how those 1990 Cowboys were built, and then we'll work into those seasons, maybe a little bit today, but for sure moving forward uh, over the next episode or two. And as we come into the Christmas holidays, probably going to have some kind of Christmas uh, uh, episode. And then I've also got to get into year-end tax preparation, uh, getting yourself prepared for what you're going to do come January January, February time with your income tax returns. So those are the things to be looking for, forward to here on Money, Motivation, and Mike in the upcoming episodes. But right now, the 1990 Dallas Cowboys. And we cannot start in 1990, Jason. We got to go back and we got to get into some of the things that Tom Landry had done. Because, you know, a lot of people had their footprint on this on this particular decade team. Not just Jimmy Johnson and not just Jerry Jones. Jimmy Johnson... I'll give him 90, 90 plus percent because he was the heart and soul of putting that team together. There is no doubt and there is no debate on why the 1990s Dallas Cowboys became what they became. And it is one name and one person, Jimmy Johnson. And also congratulations to him. He's finally getting put into the ring of honor of the Dallas Cowboys, which is uh, 25 years overdue. Like, he should have been put in in 1994, 
after he was no longer the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. But, you know, that's just my personal opinion. And since it's my show, I get to say that. Nevertheless, Tom Landry, 1988, the the person who was draft the, the the person who was drafted that made the biggest impact in 1988 was none other than Michael Irvin. He was the 11th overall pick. Uh, could not stand Michael Irvin coming out of college because he played for those crazy uh, thug Miami Hurricanes, as I like to call them. And 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 they were the they well there was just been shows uh, called uh, convicts and Catholics. And uh, the Catholics were the Notre Damers, and the convicts was the Miamis. Another big pick out of that 88 draft was Ken Norton Jr. He was the 41st pick and the second rounder. Now, the rest of that draft wasn't so special. This was Tom Landry's last ever National Football League draft. But he did, just like he had done in the past, by picking some oddball crazy pick late in the round. Now, what I'm referring to is Roger Staubach being picked late in the 1964 draft. In the 11th round, the 290th pick out of the Air Force, Chad Hennings, defensive tackle, was drafted by Tom Landry. Now, significance of that is he had to go serve in the Air Force. But he ended up joining the Dallas Cowboys there in the early 90s and playing a big-time role there in the middle of that defense. So there is you another, another, let's say, stamp that Tom Landry, who was all forgotten when fired, on the spot as soon as Jerry Jones became the coach in 1989. But right off the bat, there you go. Now, players that Tom Landry also had his footprint on that were part of these 1990s Cowboys, Jim Jeffcoat, big-time pass rusher on the outside. Nate Newton, fan favorite, played in there in the left guard position forever. Kevin Gogan, who might have been as big a ringleader and as big of uh getting people lined up when I'm talking about mentally lined up, not, not physically as Michael Irvin was in leadership, Kevin Gogan, Mark Tune, the left tackle who has been involved in a lot of photographs of Troy Aikman because he's protecting Troy's backside. And I'm even going to mention number 40, Bill Bates, uh, overrated in my opinion, uh, was a hustler, gave it all out of the university of Tennessee, but I don't know why he was on the nickel coverage of the 1992 Dallas Cowboys. Unfortunately for him, he got hurt. Fortunately for the Dallas Cowboys defense, he got hurt because now we got somebody else on the field besides Bill Bates. Uh, And a a big, a big, another person there that was part of the 89 Cowboys that gave up big money to stay in Dallas because he believed in the vision and the dream that Jimmy Johnson was selling was Eugene Lockhart. And Eugene Lockhart, what did he do? He signs back with the Cowboys for less money, and it wasn't six weeks into the season that he gets traded by Jimmy Johnson. And then the biggest draft pick that Tom Landry made uh, for the Dallas Cowboys that affected the 1990s teams was none other than Herschel Walker. So there is a dozen, at least 10 players that uh, the old Tom Tom Landry regime, which Gil Brandt would have been a part of as well, and Tex Ram had on these 1990 Cowboys. So don't think that Jimmy Johnson comes in in 1989 and strips this team down to zero players and goes and builds it back up. That would be impossible. Uh, and 
not something that you would want to do. But for the most part, he did strip most of it down. And there wasn't 15 players left uh, uh, throughout the end of the year, basically forcing Hall of Famer Randy White into retirement, basically forcing uh, uh, quarterback Danny White into retirement because did not want that old regime of Brown, but had to have some of them. And of course, he wasn't running off his boy Michael Irvin uh, from the 1988 draft for sure. Now, to the 1989 draft. Now, you can look at this as the good and the bad. Now, let me give you the good to start with. With the first pick, now, Troy Aikman was going to go number one to wherever, uh, whoever had that last draft pick, and I th- that first draft pick of the draft. And I think I have mentioned on this show before how good fortune came the Dallas Cowboys' way. Back in that, in that day, uh, the final the the final week of the season of the 1988 season the green bay packers had the number 1 pick going into the final se- final week of the season they won and we lost which moved us to the number 1 pick the dallas cowboys the green bay packers were that close all they had to do jason was lose in week 16 now back there were no buys week 16 they'd have had troy aikman they ended up with the second pick of the draft, taking Tony Manridge, who no one knows who that is. And it was a bad deal because right after that, Barry Sanders to the Lions, Junior Seau, uh, Deion Sanders. I mean, the, the list goes on and on about that 1989 draft. But we take Aikman, our second-round pick, Daryl Johnston, third-round pick with the 57th pick, Mark Stepnoski, and our fourth-rounder, the 85th pick, Tony Tobert all major contributors to the 1990s Cowboys. Now, back then, back in the 89 year, there was a supplemental draft. This is where, in my opinion, Jimmy Johnson made a mistake. Now, he over he overcompensated and recovered from it in a great way. But we had a supplemental draft. Now, Dallas had the worst record in 1988. And this draft is for players, collegiate players, who were not a part of the draft, maybe not had announced that they wanted to be in the draft, but then they decided after the fact to go ahead and not go back to college and try to put themselves into the National Football League or professional football period. And with the first pick in the supplemental draft, in my opinion, Jimmy Johnson makes an emotional decision and goes and takes his quarterback at the University of Miami, Steve Walsh. Now, it turned out where Steve Walsh in 1989, when the Cowboys went 1-15, in ended up winning the only game that the Cowboys won that year. And Steve Walsh was later traded to the New Orleans Saints, and we got back a first-round pick. But going into 1989, now we're into that season of 1-15, and and what happens? When you take a supplemental draft pick, you forfeit your draft pick for the next year. Now, we're coming into the next year, and we would have the number one pick in 1990 because we went 1-15 in 1989. Now, I said a while ago, now the reason we had the number one pick in the Troy Aikman is they won, uh, the, the Packers won, we lost. Both teams went 3-13, and 13 and we had the tiebreaker for the, for the number one pick. Now, coming into the 1990 draft, which I'm going to touch on here for a little bit because – It involves Emmitt Smith. We were looking for the best player available in 1988, and we were very fortunate that Michael Irvin was there, and we took him. 
Cowboys were not in the mood of moving up and moving down during uh, their, during those days of Landry and Brant and Shram. So we had whoever we had. It did not matter who owned the Cowboys or who was coaching the Cowboys in 1989. They were going to pick Troy Aikman. He's the best player on the planet, and everybody's looking for a uh, a quarterback uh, such as Aikman's talent, and that was a no-brainer. We were going to do that. So now here we come to 1990, and we'd already given up the – First pick in the draft because we took Steve Walsh in the 1989 supplemental draft. Now, Dallas was fortunate that they were ended up picking Emmett Smith with the 17th pick. And I'm fixing to talk about that. A couple of other players in the 1990 draft that were of importance. Uh, Alexander Wright, he, he, he played a little bit for us. Uh, did some in the 1990 and a little bit into the 91 season. He eventually got replaced by by uh, um, Alvin Harper on that outside, and we ended up coming up with uh, uh, Kelvin Williams, Mr. Kmart himself. Uh, third rounder, the 64th pick, was Jimmy Johnson, another big player right in the middle of the defensive line who made a huge play in Super Bowl 28 and causing a fumble and ended up being a touchdown. He, matter of fact, he made the he scored the touchdown. And in the ninth round of that draft pick, of that draft, with the 221st pick, we take the Shark, Kenny Gant. Kenny Gant ended up being a substantial player on special teams. He was out of Albany State, defensive back, little bitty guy. But he had that Shark little deal he did before the kickoffs. Became a very popular player and may have even made Pro Bowl on special teams. Uh, but Kenny Gant ended up playing an integral part. Now, going back before we move on to two more important drafts where the 91 draft really got us going as well as did 92. But now back over on the first pick that we took in the 1990 draft uh, with the 17th pick, Emmett Smith. How did we get to there? Because as I've already told you, we we would have had the first pick in the 1990 draft uh, if we had not taken Steve Walsh in the 1989 supplemental draft. So the kid from Pensacola, Florida, and becoming the all-time leading rusher of 18,355 yards, including his two seasons that he played with the Arizona Cardinals. And before I get into that, let's just talk about this. Jason, the first year that the National Football League kept statistics was 1937. So the first ever leader Career rushing leader was Cliff Battles. So if you played in 1937, whatever you did that year, you were the career leader, the all-time leader in whatever category it was. Uh, So Cliff Battles, first rushing career leader, 1937. His record was broke by Clark Hinkle. Clark Hinkle's record was broke by Steve Van Buren. That's a name that... Definitely old-timers know. And then we get into the 60s with none other than Jim Brown. And then Jim Brown's record was broke by Walter Payton, sweetness. And Walter Payton's record was broke in 2002 by none other than the kid from Pensacola, Emmett Smith. So the record for rushing career yards in the National Football League has only been broken five times. And Walter Payton received that record in the late 80s. Emmett Smith accomplished that record in 2002. 
here we are 21 years later, and there's no one even close to even thinking about something such as breaking a Russian record. As a matter of fact, it's up there with um, Joe DiMaggio's hitting streak of 56 career games. You know, it's up there with seven no-hitters because pitchers don't pitch nine innings anymore. The running back position is not as coveted as it once was during the Tony Dorsett era, the Walter Payton era, the Earl Campbell era, where these guys were number one draft picks and they hit what I call a home run on a regular basis. And that's taking the handoff and going 80 yards. We don't do that anymore. The fastest way to get the ball down the field is throwing it. And as I've said before on this show, that all goes back to junior high and high school, seven on seven football, which Obviously, I'm not. A, I, I am opposed to, because I came from a running game type of offense, as did all of the folks back in those days. But the seven-on-seven seven football, starting at age 15, let's just say, has really voided out an opportunity for a running back to come along and accumulate 18,355 yards in a career. Uh, that that's a record that probably will never be broken. Um, who knows? There's nothing you can say. It's and when you start thinking about it, you go, "Oh my goodness, that this will be around forever." So those five guys. Now Emmett also had 164 rushing touchdowns, a 175 total touchdowns. The 64 rushing touchdowns is is an all time NFL record, and his 175 touchdowns is only second to legendary best wide receiver in the history of the world, Jerry Rice. 208 total touchdowns. Now, let's get into how quickly we could not have had, how easily we could not have had Emmitt Smith. Now, Cowboys already had Troy Aikman. Now, the number one, now, also the number one pick in the 1990 draft was done by the Colts, and they took Jeff George. Obviously, we weren't going to take Jeff George. But there was a player in the top five that Jimmy Johnson coveted. And the Cowboys, losing that first pick, ended up with the 21st and 26th picks in the first round. Now, that's also due to what we call the great train robbery of Jimmy Johnson trading Herschel Walker uh, to the Minnesota Vikings for all those draft picks that we'll cover at another time. So, Dallas tried to try to trade up into the top five, uh, and because they wanted Cortez Kennedy, Cortez Kennedy played for the University of Miami, played a long time with the Seattle Seahawks, would have been right there in the middle of all that other good stuff, and uh, I don't know how much better you could have made that defense in the 1990s, but Cortez Kennedy would have helped that. But three days before the draft, the Cowboys found their next running back. The Dallas Cowboys traded second and third round draft picks to the San Francisco 49ers for then little used former number one draft pick from 1987, Terrence Flagler. You've never heard of that name, have you? Terrence Flagler never played a down of football for the Dallas Cowboys. And Jimmy Johnson had decided three days before the draft that he was going to be the dude that Troy Aikman was going to hand the ball off to for the 1990 season. We traded second and third round picks. Today, if you trade a second and third round pick for a guy, he is a stud. 
draft picks are coveted. Now, I know Jimmy went out and did some things and got him a lot of draft picks. Now, we did end up getting back the 49ers defensive end Daniel Stubbs, who had just came off winning two Super Bowls, just like with Charles Haley, with the 49ers. Their third-round pick and their 11th-round pick, all in the 1990 draft. So Jimmy Johnson goes out and, and, and trades for Terrence Flagler. Oh, boy. He got cut before the season even started because obviously there's a reason that the 49ers coming off a couple Super Bowls was ready to get rid of Terrence. Um, nevertheless, then Dallas was looking to trade up and get James Francis. He was a can't-miss possibility. Now, remember, at this time, um, Jim Jeffcoat had, had left. We, we, were, we had not drafted Robert Jones yet. Uh, we had not drafted uh, Godfrey Miles. Those guys were all about to come along. So we're looking for a linebacker. James Francis played a long time with the Cincinnati Bengals. So now Dallas is trying to swing a deal with the Raiders. And the Cowboys are trying to send their 21st and 26th picks to the Raiders for the 11th pick and the 37th pick of the Los Angeles Raiders. Los Angeles Raiders, Jason, not Oakland. <laughs> hey, by the way, they now play in Las Vegas. Um, so that they could select Francis. At the last minute, the, Ra the Raiders wanted an additional 1991 third-round pick. Remember, we're in the 1990 draft, and at the last second, they had the deal done. They wanted a 1991 third-round pick, and that's the reason that deal was not done. And in the first round, the Dallas Cowboys did not get James Francis. So here we are, still the Cowboys, uh, trying to find a partner. And they were able to find a partner in the Kansas City Chiefs at the number 13 position. And all that was going to do is they were going to trade first and second rounders. And Dallas was going to give up another draft pick because they had a ton of them uh, later on in the draft. It was all, it was all uh, contingent on Francis not getting picked by the Cincinnati Bengals with number, number 11. And we were going to take him excuse me, with number 12, and we were going to take him with the 13th pick. The Cincinnati Bengals took James Francis with the number 12 pick, which left us once again with no player. So we've tried to get Cortez Kennedy. We've worked with two different teams to try to get uh, um, uh, James Francis. We have already traded a second and third rounder to the 49ers for Terrence Flagler. There was no need for a running back, Jason. But at this point, here we go into the mid-rounds. Only one running back had been drafted, and it was the New York Jets at the number two pick selecting Penn State's running back Blair Thomas, who had a decent career. Uh, nothing, nothing, not, nothing of the superstar caliber. But now remember, in 1990, there were 12 rounds of football picks, and there were 45 running backs selected at the end of that draft. And here we are in the middle of the first round and only one running back had went. And there said Emmett Smith, considered the second best back in the draft, and the Cowboys had him as the fourth best player in the draft at any position. So what are the Cowboys going to do? They already know that they're sitting at 21, and they already know that the Green Bay Packers are looking for a running back at 19. The Atlanta Falcons are looking for a running back at 20. So the market, and then also the Giants and the Niners were right behind the Cowboys, and they were looking to maybe move up and take a running back. 
And then here we are with the Cowboys. who have already traded for Flagler. So with the 21st pick, the Dallas Cowboys are sitting there and they have settled on having to take Rodney Hampton. Rodney Hampton ends up becoming a New York giant uh, at, later on in this draft. But the Dallas Cowboys had conceded they're going with Terrence Flagler and they'll pick Rod, Rodney Hampton for future, for future development into an NFL running back. That's who we were going to stick out there with Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin. <laughs> but then we go back to our old buddies from the AFC North, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cowboys quickly jumped on the phone and traded first rounders and second rounders and threw in an extra third rounder to trade up to the 17th pick with the Steelers because the Steelers did not want to run him back. They were looking for a tight end. We traded up with them. We got Emmett Smith and they got their running back and their tight end at number 21 called Eric Green. You never heard of him either, have you? They traded away the opportunity to draft Emmett Smith. Could you see Emmett Smith running around in a Pittsburgh Steeler uniform? I mean, yeah. that that's enough to make you want to go, mm-hmm. yeah, in the puke. So that worked out, swapping picks, giving up an extra third rounder, and and here we are. Now, I told you that only one running back had been drafted when the Cowboys were drafted with the 17th pick because at 19, the Packers take Daryl Thompson. Never heard of him. With the 20th pick, the Falcons took Steve Bouchard. I have, to, have heard of him. With the 24th pick, the Giants nab Rodney Hampton, who the Cowboys were going to take with the 21st pick. And then the Niners selected Dexter Carter. Four running backs went within the next six picks after Emmett Smith was taken. We did a lot of work to get Emmett Smith. Um, Walt Yask. Yaroski, Walt Yaroski, he was a scout for the Cowboys. Adamant that we take Emmett Smith. Would have would have considered taking Emmett Smith with the first pick if we had still had it from from the uh, Steve Walsh supplemental deal. He said Emmett Smith, and this is his quote, Emmett Smith will someday make Cowboy fans forget Tony Dorsett. Now, ain't nobody ever going to forget number 33, Tony Dorsett. Which brings me to one other topic as these not it's these twenty twenty three Dallas Cowboys play. And I text this out to one of my buddies on Sunday uh, uh, last Thursday, Thanksgiving. Can we really take a Dallas Cowboy defense serious that has a number thirty three at linebacker? It just makes no sense to me. Maybe I'm old fashioned. Maybe I've got Tony a little bit in my heart, but you just can't put number thirty three on a linebacker in the National Football League. And we have, frankly, it's been working out. <laughs> <laughs> so Steelers got their Mr. Green, and we got our Emmett Smith, and the rest, as we say, is history. As he becomes the, if you're going to measure it on accolades and yards and touchdowns, the greatest running back in the history of the NFL. Now, I know somebody's going to ask my opinion, so I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. The greatest running back in the history of the NFL was Walter Payton. Sweetness. And I was very fortunate in the 1970s to get to see him play football. Uh, one of the highlights of going to events and getting to see this. So 1991 coming along here, and this thing gets real thick because you got to remember lots of these picks that from the Herschel Walker trade to the Minnesota Vikings is coming into play. 
Now, we talked about getting Cortez Kennedy possibly in the 1990 draft, which Dallas probably would have took if they had had that first-round pick. But now we go pick, pick up his sidekick, which was right beside him, which was Russell Maryland. Russell Maryland was the number one pick uh, of the 1991 draft. Most people don't realize that. He was a good player. He wasn't a first overall round draft pick. But see, the reason for that, Dallas traded up to take Rocket Ismail, the running back, the, the wide receiver, running back, X-back is what I called him. Remember, he was he was Heisman Trophy, and he was going to be big time, and Dallas traded up. They wanted somebody out there to go along with Michael Irvin because we didn't have Alvin Harper then. And we're going to take Rocket Ismail. And at the last minute, he goes to Canadian Football League. Mm. So we're sticking here with the number one pick. Nobody to bail us out and trade down. We take Russell Maryland. Good player. Another, another guy there in the middle. We, we also had another first-round pick. With the 12th overall pick in the first round, we did take Alvin Harper. Alvin Harper, who said the only reason the Cowboys did not win a Super Bowl in 1994 is because Jerry Jones let Jimmy Johnson walk. That's the only reason. He also said on Channel 8 News one night, if the Cowboys did not three-peat, he would run down Commerce Avenue. I believe it was Commerce. I may misquote on that. He would run down Commerce, Commerce Avenue naked if the Dallas Cowboys did not win the Super Bowl in 1994. Well, that was before Jimmy got fired. <laughs> so let's let him off the hook. And I don't think anybody really wants him running down any street naked as well. In, in, the, se- in, in the second round, 37th pick, we took Dixon Edwards, who became a strong uh, uh, linebacker for us and played for quite some time. In the third round, took another linebacker, Godfrey Miles. In the third round with the 70th pick, we took Eric Williams, offensive tackle from Central State. Became a nasty boy on the right tackle position. Big time player. In the fifth round, we took Derek Brownlow. He was a contributor of some sort. Now, here's one that you're really going to fall out of your seat on, Jason. With the seventh pick, 173rd pick out of Emporia State, Leon Lett. Leon Lett played a big part in the first ever football game you ever went to, Jason. Yes, he did. And it was a big anniversary here, um, uh, a 30-year anniversary of the old Leon let play against the Miami Dolphins. We've got the Miami helmet right here in the studio. Mm. That reminds us of that game every time we look at it. And I'm sure Leon's not a big fan of the Miami Dolphins. And everybody in the world was getting out of the way of that football, but oh, number 78. I don't know. Probably the biggest impact of this draft was the 12th pick, the 12th round pick, the 320th pick out of TCU, Larry Brown. Larry Brown, 320th pick, and becomes MVP of Super Bowl 30. I mean, there's reasons why the Dallas Cowboys of the 1990s is considered one of the greatest teams to ever play football. And that is because of being able to find Leon Letts in the seventh round and Larry Brown's in the twelfth round. Then we come to 1992, which, in my opinion, finalizes the heart and soul of what ended up being the team of the 1990s. Um, Kevin Smith. Now, at the end of that 91 season, we went up to Detroit and just got hammered, and they were running all over the place. Matter of fact, our buddy Barry Sanders was in that game, but we couldn't cover no one. So the Dallas Cowboys go out, and they take 
defensive backs with three of their first five picks. And they turned out to be pretty good. Because in the first round, we took Kevin Smith with the 17th pick out of Texas A&M. Okay. Also, we had another first rounder, which was the 24th pick. And we took Robert Jones linebacker out of East Carolina. Now, I bet you never heard of this guy, Jason. With the second pick, and the th- with the second rounder in the 36th pick, the Cowboys took Jimmy Smith. Stud. I remember seeing him at a um, at Texas Stadium. They invited all the fans down back when you could get access to all these guys. But they practiced before they turned us loose and let us get down on the on the on the on the uh, on the field and get autographs and stuff. Jimmy Smith put on a show, but he couldn't get on the field in Dallas because of the Michael Irvins and the Kelvin Martins and 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 the uh, um, uh, Alvin Harpers, etc. So Dallas ends up trading him away to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he went to Pro Bowl after Pro Bowl over there. Was a phenomenal player. As a matter of fact, he played from 1992 to 2005. How did we let that guy get away? 13 years of football. Phenomenal. You wouldn't have been looking for a Randy Moss in 1998 if you'd have kept Jimmy Smith in 1992. And I don't recall exactly when we traded him away. Great player. Another went to Jackson State, which is where Deion Sanders just came from. All right. Also, in that second round, the 37th pick, we had back-to-back picks. Would you believe we got Darren Woodson Mm. in the ring of honor? And really, the next Dallas Cowboy that should go in the Hall of Fame should already be there. Uh, He's either all-time leading tackler for the Dallas Cowboys or that record just got broke. But, I mean, he's up there. Um, played linebacker at Arizona State, but then moved to safety, and he was a hit machine. And, you know, he could cover those receivers in the slots, which is a very difficult thing. And and with the the, the uh, third rounder, the 58th pick, we took a guy named Clayton Holmes, um, who played a little bit for us. I mean, he was around. He was great on special teams, et cetera, et cetera. But those are the type of players that we ended up with that ended up making this team the team of the 1990s. Now, we've covered a lot of material, and all we've done is talk about how they built this team. You know, and that doesn't even go on back to uh, getting Jay Novacek and playing B free agency, which is something we'll try to cover at another day, or going out and trading with the San Francisco 49ers. You think about what the 49ers did for us in trading for Charles Haley. We got Charles Haley the week the 1992 season started, and he had won two Super Bowls, wreaked havoc on that 49er defense. Personal issues, issues with the front office, and Haley comes to the Cowboys. Uh, big, big deal. I mean, solidified and put us over the top. James Washington, another Plan B free agent, played, uh, uh, played college ball with, at UCLA with Troy Aikman. Um, and Ken Norton Jr., you know, they all played there at UCLA together and and came over. Uh, and then let's see, um, Vincent Smith, uh, he was a 93 draft pick, ended up being a big player that played left side, outside linebacker. Th- those kind of lists go on. Thomas Everett, trade, we traded for him, played in the secondary. So you had a lot of things going on. Now, 
the one constant with all that stuff is you had a mastermind who knew how to draft players who knew how to evaluate talent. And that was Jimmy Johnson. And like I always say, everybody knows who the good players are. Everybody knows who should be drafted in the first round, the first pick. Sometimes those picks don't work out. But when you take a dud, that's the same dud everybody else would have take, taken too. The, the nuts and bolts of building a team come in the latter rounds. Going and finding guys off the street that can play that have been overlooked. And, and the Cowboys made some mistakes along the way too. It's, 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 it's just going to happen, such as letting Jimmy Smith get away. And, and on and on and on. But Jimmy Johnson knew how to do those things. And what led to the greatness of the Dallas Cowboys also led to the demise. Because anytime you have winning, egos get in the way. Most of the time, Robert Kraft, you got to applaud him for staying out of the way of Bill Belichick for a good 20 years and letting he and Brady do their thing. And unfortunately, Mr. Jones couldn't do that. And he, as Jimmy Johnson says, he never meddled in the business of football. He just wanted the credit and the spotlight of doing the football. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with this. In the 10 years, and we're going to get into these seasons on the next episode. In the 10 years from 1990 to 1999, the Cowboys made the playoffs eight times. They won the NFC East six times. They won three Super Bowls. And included in those three Super Bowls, they won 12 playoff games in that 10 years. All very, very, very good. However, and this is really going to hurt us. It hurts me to even say it. But facts are facts, and history is history, and we got to talk about what's went on yesterday and the day before. The last Super Bowl win was in 1995. They were one and done in the 96 playoffs. Um, We beat Minnesota, went out and got beat uh, by the Carolina Panthers. One and done in the 96 playoffs and didn't win another playoff game until 2009 when we beat the Philadelphia Eagles at home, which was the first ever playoff game at AT AT&T Stadium. And in fact, since the 1995 Super Bowl season, the Cowboys have won just four playoff games and never more than one in a season, which continues the drought of not going to the NFC Conference Championship game, which used to be a staple at Dallas Cowboy headquarters, which used to be a staple of why still to this day, the best team that ever played in Dallas, Texas was the 1970 Dallas Cowboys. And they get overshadowed because of the Pittsburgh Steelers and just a couple of points away from winning all five of those Super Bowls. Now, I'm partial to the 90s. The 1977 team, as I've said on this show, was my favorite team of all time because that's really when I understood what was going on on a football field. Statistics tell you that the only decade that was better for the Cowboys is the period from 1970 to 1979. And in that stretch, won two Super Bowls and played in three others that we lost, two to the, two to the Steelers, won the NFC East seven times. 90s Cowboys only won it six and only missed the playoffs in 1974, but still had a winning record. Cowboys missed the playoffs twice in the 1990s. They missed it in 1990. Actually come down to the last uh, game of the season. From what I remember, the Rams needed to beat the 49ers. 
No, 49ers need to beat the Rams, and we would have gotten in at seven and nine as a wild card. Did not. Uh, and we did not make the playoffs in 1997, which was the end of the demise of the Barry Switzer four year era, who became um, a, the second Super Bowl winning coach who had also won a national championship in college football behind Jimmy Johnson. Now, one other tidbit there that we're going to start on here on the next episode is when Jimmy Johnson became the coach, Jerry Jones, when he became the owner, he had it narrowed down to two two people. Everybody thinks it was, I'm going to go get my roommate from the 1964 Arkansas Razorbacks, and we're going to go play some football. But his second choice was Barry Switzer because Switzer had been fired as the Oklahoma Sooners head coach in 1988 with all that stuff that was going on up there, machine guns off the top of dormitories and mm. uh, all, all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, but his second pick was, uh, was Barry Switzer because those were the two names he knew. Those were the two guys that he remember, – remember Switzer was a college graduate assistant with those Arkansas Razorback teams that Jones and Johnson played on. So he was going after football guys who could run football business. And it all went great until 1993, and we'll continue that on another episode. And once again, for Money Motivation and Mike, we, we continue to thank you for listening and viewing our show on a weekly basis. Please contact us at info at mx3.vip and find all of our content at mx3.vip or on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at mx3podcast. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the icon bell to get notified of all of our new content, which comes out every Monday morning around 9 o'clock. For all those who've been a part of this one, continue to live your life the right way.